Hello and welcome to Starting Over with Shannon. This is a podcast about fresh starts, new chapters and embracing change and challenge to become a better version of ourselves and create a better world around us. I'm your host Shannon Jenkins and every week I'll be bringing you a different starting over story with tips on how to conquer life's difficulties to find greater joy, meaning and purpose. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Starting Over with Shannon. For regular listeners, a welcome back. And for the newcomers, I am so happy that you are joining us here. This podcast has been growing for 80 weeks or more now, and you will be sure to find a whole catalogue of inspiring and informative episodes which guide you on your healing and self-development journey. Those of you who are familiar with the show will know that I often share this very message and what I believe to be a big truth. And that is that our rock bottom moments, our breakdowns can be the break opens we never even knew we needed. You know, sometimes those most challenging experiences, they're simply, there are cause to pause and they're that invitation to take major stock of our life our values, our goals, our desires, our ways of living. And not only was this my own experience, this has been the experience of so many of my podcast guests who often share this very message that the worst periods of their lives ended up being a blessing in disguise. Why? Basically because it woke them up. It woke them up to their true selves beneath all of the masks that they'd worn over the years to cover deep-seated pain and fear and guilt and shame. It woke them up to the dysfunctional ways in which they'd been living and to the fact that they could change that. And in essence, this is the message that I'm going to do a deep dive into for you today because ultimately, I want you to learn how to trust more deeply, both in yourself and in life. Trust that Even if you don't have all the answers right now, one day in your future, you are going to have that aha moment that goes, oh, I get it. You know, it reminds me of a famous quote and a favorite quote of mine by Steve Steve Jobs. And he says, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. So you have to trust the dots will somehow connect in your future. I literally had this stuck on my window during a university exchange year in Paris years ago. It was incidentally also the place that I fell pregnant and started to see the toxicity in my romantic relationship. I didn't get it then. I didn't get the whole thing, but boy, do I get it now. And through this experience, I certainly learned to trust in the universe and more in myself too. And that is just so transformative. Now, as for this episode, I'm actually trialing something new. I'm going to give it to you in two parts, one this week and one next week, because we really do the deep dive here. So in part one, in today's episode, I share my story as well as five common signs of toxic relationships and also a phrase that you will hear me say over and over, which is less about them and more about you. You know, high conflict 
personalities, they have a way of forcing themselves into the front and center stage in your of your life. They reject all of your boundaries or attempts to ask them to step inside step aside and focusing more on you is honestly one of the key parts to healing and growing that so many people overlook honestly and I really think this is why so many people get stuck you know get stuck in regret stuck in bitterness stuck in mental stories and basically feeling rubbish as a result So next week in the part two, I'm going to focus on those four key steps to healing. And honestly, these are the exact steps that I followed, I realized in retrospect, that allowed me to exit this toxic relationship, to sever the chains that kept me tied to him, even emotionally, psychologically, more than physically. The steps that also allowed me to heal and blossom and grow after that abusive relationship and find somebody I now adore and more than that even learn how to accept and love myself as well because you are the core of your life it's like when you throw a stone into a lake and you see the ripple effect that is literally what happens as you go to the root the core of you of what made you tolerate or choose someone like this and the ripple effect will just permeate into different areas of your life, your friendships, your career, everything. So if you know you've experienced a toxic relationship, whether in a romantic setting or even with family or both, it's very common, I'd encourage you to download my free guide actually, which gives you a recap of all of this info, as well as journal prompts and points of reflection for you. I'd really, really encourage you to grab a copy of that and you can do so by DMing me the word guide over on Instagram. My handle is shannonjenkins.co. And also, if you would like to work with me one-on-one on this very topic so that you can apply all of this to your life, your situation, your relationships, you can book a call directly with me. And there's a link for doing that in the show description and all of the other info that you need. So I want to go over a little to my story and question what is a toxic relationship anyway? So back when I was 22... I'm 30 now, I found myself in a relationship with a man that I later learned to be a narcissistic sociopath. I actually learned that after we had separated. I had absolutely no vocabulary or understanding of these labels for the duration of our relationship. But my ex, when I met him, I was definitely unsure of him at first. There was a charm, there was, you know, There was a lot of good there, but there was also something, an inner knowing, I would say, that arose in my body, an inner alarm that was like, something's off. Yeah, this isn't right. And I let my mind talk me out of listening. Big mistake. So my ex was charming. He was charismatic. He was confident for sure. That appealed. And over time, that coupled with his seeming attentiveness, his special interest in me, his loyalty even, I was really hooked. I was drawn in. And I didn't understand that he wanted to move so quickly and wanted me to get vulnerable and open up to him 
so that he could later manipulate me. And that was the reality. You know, a lot of his early behaviors made me give over my trust and my love much quicker than I expected. And I interpreted this intensity as in the early stages of the relationship as an indication that it was right, that somehow he was my soulmate, that we had just this special spark and connection. And I still recall how in the early stages of dating, he did things that genuinely touch my heart like and they touch my heart because of pre-existing vulnerabilities that I had so I grew up in a somewhat unstable household we moved around a lot I went to over 10 schools we moved even over to the other side of the world from Australia to the UK when I was about 12 I didn't know my father I didn't have any relationship with him at all. In fact, I met him for the first time when I was about 19. And I only had females around me, interestingly. Mother, grandmother, strong grandmother, sister. No no men, really, in my life. And my mother never really repartnered. So I didn't have any model for healthy, cooperative love and connection, romantically speaking. And I have since learned that underlying a lot of who I was, in fact, was fear. I had a lot of fear that I just completely ignored and did not want to look at. And yeah, I'd say I really only learned this in the past year or two because I just did not want to admit that I was fearful. I wanted to be strong, capable, independent, never really knowing that this was in fact a trauma response. It's a mask. We'll come on to that in next week's episode because the masks and the trauma responses are really important. So back to my ex-boyfriend. He started giving me big demonstrations of love that made me feel safe and protected. They soothed that fear I didn't even know I had, right? But it was there just because I wasn't consciously aware of it. Subconsciously or unconsciously, I absolutely was was so one early memorable gift that he gave me was a portable phone charger right (laughs) this might sound like okay hardly the the best gift in the world I get it but it was really touching for me at the time so I was living in London I'd moved there for university I was partying and I ended up going home on a night bus back to my student halls I was drunk, I think I missed my bus stop and my phone had run out of battery and I couldn't get home. And that was the night where I remember, you know, just keeping it real, but I was on the side of the pavement, I think just way, just drunk. Like I said, phone ran out of battery, didn't know what to do, didn't even know where I was, in fact, because the bus had continued somewhere else in another suburb. I had no idea where I was. I think in the end, I even had to do something kind of unsafe in hitchhiking and asking somebody to kindly take me back to my home and give them my address and they put it in their phone. So that was an, uh, like the, the dangerous, unsafe experience. But me being me and wanting to cover all of my fear and have all of this strong, independent, whatever, I didn't 
acknowledge that that was completely unsafe. But of course he did. And then on our next day, he gave me this portable phone charger and he said, I never want you to get into a situation like that again. Please call me. You can call me at any hour of the night. I will wake up. I will drive. I'll come and find you. Like all of that, right? I just felt so loved and so safe. And maybe this wouldn't even have been so special for somebody else. For you listening, maybe that isn't your thing. But it was special for me because it got right to one of my deep needs and a core fear, that of being unprotected. And all of these things, all of, all of the ways in which he behaved in these early days, they added up to me believing that I had met the one, you know. So really now just a reflection point for you. Have you ever had a moment, let's say with an ex a partner, maybe even a current partner that touched your heart that you remember pause and ask yourself why why what was the deeper need or the deeper fear perhaps that was being allayed in that moment by their actions that is a key piece to the self-awareness journey so a year or two later after all of this initial love bombing things started shifting and I was left with this prevailing feeling of confusion I've got to say, like, how could I just didn't get it? I was like, how could someone go from being so loving, generous, seemingly empathetic to then criticizing me and my abilities regularly to dismissing me, all of that? This is cognitive dissonance, as it's called in psychology, and it left me making excuses for behavior. Like, I don't want to go heavy on the jargon because often it's not important, but I think this one is is a crucial one to know. And cognitive dissonance is basically the discomfort that you feel when you're trying to mentally reconcile two things. So for me, it was my narcissist, my ex-narcissist early behavior that I interpreted to be the real him. And then the opposite was the reality of what I was starting to experience. The two didn't add up. So I was left feeling super confused, asking myself, what the heck is happening? Maybe it's understandable because he's just stressed out with work or maybe I'm a big part of the blame or maybe it's not that bad and I am just being too sensitive, like he says. Boy, you can be sure that he would jump on my any any example of my own self-blame and I would then further internalize his voice, eroding my self-esteem, self-worth, etc., People, these are signs of a toxic relationship. And even though I believe to truly heal, I I believe that you need to do this work that I'm going to keep sharing with you on this episode and next week. But it is also really important in the early parts of breaking free and healing to educate yourself on the nature of toxic relationships. It's kind of like the educational piece that is really, really important. But at some point you need to stop that and you need to do this work. So that could be, for example, what patterns of behavior do narcissists or sociopaths or other types of personality disorders have? Because it can be important to help you make sense of your experience and also to basically reject what is not yours. Because guaranteed, if you've had a partner or especially a parent, I've got to say, that has such toxic behavior, you will have, to some degree, internalized their voice as your own self-talk. They will have planted a seed of self-doubt 
Maybe it was already there, but they certainly exacerbated it. That self-doubt, that self-criticism, that lack of self-worth. And you will be taking way more than your fair share of the blame, you know? And I think this is honestly why people keep messaging me saying, you know, maybe I'm the narcissist or like, I can't forgive myself for the way that I behaved in these relationships. Maybe I'm just toxic too, et cetera, et cetera. But they're taking on more than their share of the blame. And this is partly why you don't feel whole. You've been living in your mind, you're spinning stories that you can't seem to make sense of, and you're likely disconnected from your body. Your nervous system is highly dysregulated. You're probably operating out of survival mode, even if you don't realize it. So signs of toxic relationships. I want to go into that a little bit more. If you're listening to this and you're not sure if you've experienced toxic relationships, I want to share five things to look out for. Because honestly, one of the big difficulties is actually realizing that in many circumstances, the average relationship advice just does not apply. Like it does not cut it, honestly. And in fact, I even had this discussion with a girlfriend recently. She phoned me up saying, I'm just feeling so confused because I keep reading that relationships require work, patience, tolerance and that conflict is a completely normal and inevitable part of a relationship it's perhaps even healthy sometimes and then I don't know how to make sense of what's going on in my life you see where it goes right and sometimes you know it is true that conflict can be healthy and normal in a relationship but in the context of abusive and toxic relationships Overly relying on this way of thinking, it just keeps you stuck. It keeps people stuck. It keeps people doubting themselves and it allows manipulators to capitalize on their guilt tripping even further. So if you're somebody who is empathetic, people pleasing, sensitive, very giving, etc., take special note because you are certainly in the camp where you're going to take more than your fair share of the blame. So signs of toxic relationships or some red flags as they're commonly called that you should be looking out for. Number one, regular blame shifting. So key. Literally someone who is unable to take personal responsibility for their actions and constantly deflects any even constructive criticism or any minor remark back onto the other person, that is unhealthy. So let's say that you suggest to your partner that something is hurting or bothering you, you approach it in a kind of kind way, but they are so unwilling to hear it or they reply with, you know, you're just too sensitive or your expectations are unrealistic or will you do that or you have done this other thing so many times, why are you putting it all onto me? This is where conflicts escalate, right? But just think about that. Somebody who is never able to take ownership or accountability for their actions and is constantly putting the blame onto somebody else, resolution, healthy conflict, growth, is impossible. Like impossible, seriously. So number one, regular blame shifting. Look out for that. Second, criticism, demeaning, or belittling remarks. This can be even so subtle 
that you can't remember it. Even, and in fact, I'd say that that is even the most dangerous type because it lies undetected. It produces this cognitive dissonance that I just explained before. But rest assured, it erodes your self-esteem and your self-worth over time. You know, when I was reflecting on this, I even to make this podcast, I asked my my husband, like, can you remember some of the things that he said? You know, what, how was it? Because I really struggle to even remember sometimes how how that worked. And, you know, there are, of course, some some critical remarks I remember distinctly, but it's often not those ones that are the big blow up arguments or whatever that have the most um, lasting, say, erosive impact. It's the subtleties. And sometimes that could even be disguised as constructive feedback. So like, I remember when I was talking with my ex about starting my own business, he would seem to take some kind of interest in that and encouragement, but then he'd say, yeah, but you know, business is very complex. I don't really know if you would understand how that works. Um, I mean, of course I'm willing to help, but you know, it might be, that just made me self-doubt even more, right? It was not coming from, and this is where looking at the intention is really, really key. What was the intention on his part there? It was to maintain his own superiority and to keep me feeling insecure and inferior, to keep me beneath him. This signs to really watch out for. And something else I want to illustrate here, because I recently shared this on Instagram. It was a troll kind of comment from somebody I said is likely a narcissist. I would not have detected the how this comment could have been narcissistic, but where it actually came from was recognizing the feeling that I had in response to this comment and it reminded me immediately of my ex-partner and I just want to break it down for you to see whether you would in fact detect this too because it illustrates the the criticism or the belittling remarks that I'm talking about with their subtleties. So I shared a post about healing after narcissistic abuse and basically being stronger and wiser as a result. And somebody commented and said, if you post anything about healing on any social media platform, you are far from being healed, but I really hope your healing comes soon. Stay strong, love heart. How do you interpret that? So like I said, I was left with this feeling of, ooh, something's off and I know that my ex talked in this way too. What is it? And I decided to get curious and investigate a little bit more. And these are some ways in which I know that this is illustrative of a narcissistic personality. So one, if you post anything about healing on any social media platform, you are far from being healed. The clue here is I know more than you. You don't understand. You are clueless. I know more. I am superior. And remember, for narcissists in particular, they have a core fear of inferiority. They have a deep-rooted sense of inadequacy and shame that is too painful for them to bear. So they mask this pain, this shame, this fear by taking any and all opportunity to assert superiority right? So back to the comment. This is was him showing me that he was trying to be superior. And the next part, really hope your healing comes soon. Stay strong, love heart. Really? 
really? Really? Do you really hope my healing comes soon? I'm not so convinced. But the clue here, people, is that it is sarcastic for one, right? There, you, you feel the sarcasm there. It's also tinged with a bit of pity and it's wrapped in respectability. This is such a key part, right? And this is often, you might even notice this in, in the workplace of people who exhibit narcissistic tendencies. And it's because they've managed to find a way of criticizing, of belittling, whilst not being so overt that they could really get in trouble for that, right? That was the key part. And again, this is also used to assert superiority, that this is an attempt to look down on me and so forth. And like I said, this immediately reminded me of the countless remarks that my narcissistic ex made just like this. So start paying attention, closer attention to your intuitive or emotive reactions. Like, how does this sit with you? How do you feel? And don't dismiss that. Don't start getting on the, oh, I'm just too sensitive or I'm not interpreting this right. No, listen to that, honestly, because there are clues there. And remember what I said before about the intention behind why somebody says something. And in my instance with narcissists, it's often this superiority, manipulating into me feeling inferior and insecure, keeping me beneath them and essentially keeping me trapped. The third toxic sign here, encouragement to isolate. Seriously, pay close attention if anyone starts encouraging you to not hang out with certain people, if somebody criticizes people in your friendship circle, maybe suggesting that they're a negative influence or beneath you or that you would be much better without them, this can be insidious. It can happen slowly over time without you even being aware of it. And I certainly had that experience. Then I woke up to like, wow, I actually haven't been hanging out with my friends half as much as I used to. I'm spending so much of my time with him. And there was a manipulative bend to that. So pay attention to anyone who encourages you to isolate yourself from others. Why? (laughs) Ultimately, it makes you easier to manipulate. You are then listening to their voice more often than others. Four, broken promises and false hope of change. This is this happens all all the time, honestly, and it's one of the ways that keeps this cycle of abuse and keeps people hooked. So let's say that your partner has maybe an explosive temper. They recognize it, but then they afterwards, after that heated moment, they are so apologetic and they promise to change. And then they even amp up the kindness, the affection, the attention, maybe even the fun, supposedly making up with it with words with promises of change and all of this momentary kindness and so on. It basically gives you false hope. You're you're looking to the future as like, okay, well, and this again goes to what I was saying about how often the general relationship advice just doesn't quite cut it because, you know, a lot of the time it was you would read or hear that you know, people do have, people are healing. People have got difficulties. You don't give up on somebody when, you know, shit hits the fan. <laughs> I don't know why that was the first thing to come to my mind. When things get difficult, right? But this is a cycle that repeats. In fact, a cycle that basically always repeats. 
Is that the kind of relationship that you want to have? Question. And lastly, the fifth sign, your feelings. Are you feeling drained? Are you feeling on edge? Are you walking on eggshells? Your feelings seriously matter. And this is the internal knowing that I mentioned earlier when I shared a bit about my story, that I knew something wasn't right. I felt the darkness in his eyes. I felt something was off and I ignored it. If you were feeling like you have to walk on eggshells around this person or you are adjusting your behavior, you're modifying what you're saying or doing because you're worried about the reaction that you'll receive, that is not a safe and loving relationship. That is a toxic one, period, period. This will never, ever be the relationship that you will blossom in. And maybe do give a few chances. You know, we all do that like, oh, maybe that was just a one-off and then you go get, but wake up, wake up to that because it's not going to change. And I remember, in fact, a, a quote that someone I adore for all her wisdom and joy and brilliance, Maya Angelou, she has this simple line and she just says, when people show you who they are, believe them the first time. And it runs counter to so much of what we hear about giving chances, right? Like, oh, first, second, third chance, and then you're out. But you pay attention to those early signs. You know, they, they, they're they there for a reason. And it's probably one of the hardest lessons I've had to learn, especially as a like kind, empathetic, forgiving, generous person, but it is wise advice. So those are the five signs of toxic relationships. And now I want to have a final word about this, less about them, more about you. So as I said before, understanding these things are like super important for breaking free and also in the early stages of the healing process, you know, educating yourself on toxic relationships, toxic behavior, patterns, personality disorders, all of that. But there will come a time on your healing journey when you have to start focusing less on them and start focusing on you. Why? This is literally the ticket to your peace, to your joy, and to your freedom. It comes from understanding your core wounds, your core fears, your core beliefs. And going to the roots of this is what makes sure that you won't make the same mistakes again. And I know with full certainty, full, full, full certainty that there is no way that I would have chosen a partner like David, my amazing husband, without doing this work. First on my own and then continuing with him too. Because old hypervigilant survival mode me saw him as soft and somewhat boring. <laughs> Sorry, honey, if you're listening to this, which he does listen to my podcast, you're not boring at all. <laughs> I, I did, but I did. I saw him as being soft and boring and not for me. Um, but I also know it's because that old me did not feel whole. And I was used to, I was familiar with this survival mode way of living that the kind of calmness and the peace didn't feel all that interesting, right? But the key part is like the trauma that I experienced, not only with my partner, but also in my childhood too. That is where I ended up having on a deeper level this this feeling of being fractured or broken or ashamed. 
And it was this kind of core wound that I was trying to cover up and avoid feeling by rushing around in eternal busyness or thrill-seeking, even with my ex or the pursuit of achievement. That was also a common one, the perfectionistic pursuit of achievement to mask all of this. But going to that core wound, which is you, i.e. more about you and less about them, that is the ticket to the transformation. So the toxic relationships, they're the triggers, let's say, but the healing and the growth goes much deeper than that. And you will realize that there's kind of a web of things in your past that you start piecing together. And that is a beautiful journey, I've got to say. You know, I remember in the early the early days after separating from my ex, I think it was my husband now who said this to me. He gave me this image and he said, you've got to imagine he is like the sly fox and you were the cheetah. And cheetah meet the animal cheetah. And he says, the fox basically has succeeded in putting you in a cage. But when you unlock the door, you are going to run and you are going to travel far further than the fox ever could. And it helped me so much because I remember I couldn't really see it at the time. I doubted myself. I believed somewhat in my ex-narcissist narrative that I would not amount to much without them, that I needed them, that I was not going to be successful on my own, that I would be, that he would be the best thing that ever happened to me. Oh my goodness, was that just so incredibly false. That was the cage. It was the cage of his words, of his thing, of his beliefs that triggered what I had already deep down within me. But the truth was that I was that cheetah and I have run. I have run further and I've traveled farther and I am a much more whole loving person than he will ever be. For that, I am sure. So I hope that this episode has given you some points to reflect on and that maybe you found some of yourself in my story here. That is absolutely the key to this. And remember about if you want a guide to work through this, please do message me on Instagram, just the word guide or email if that's better for you. Hello, it's starting over with Shannon. And you can also book a call with me one to one through the link in the show notes if you are ready to go into this a little bit deeper and apply it to your life situation. But remember also to tune into part two next week where I'm going to go into the key steps to healing. So do make sure that you click follow wherever you are listening to this if you haven't done so already. And remember, even if you cannot see it yet, one day this is all going to make sense. You are going to be able to connect those dots that you never could before. And maybe just like me, you'll be able to look back with a smile and lightness in your heart, thankful for this lesson, grateful for the wisdom and feeling entirely confident in your ability to make your dreams come true. That is absolutely what I hope. Have a great day, everyone. 